0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Stress, Depressed, and Anxious with Your Host D, a.k.a. Vocal Neighborhood Baby. So today we have a Lost Files episode. It's called Lost Files because uh, these recordings were pretty much, uh, some portions of the recordings were lost. We actually recorded this episode about a month ago. Um, It was recorded with my friends Ashley and Delaney and uh it was a really riveting episode i was supposed to edit and upload it about a month ago but uh didn't really get around to it and by the time i did i noticed that there were some issues with the audio as far as where it cut off and just some missing chunks of our conversation. However, I didn't want to scrap it entirely. I wanted to put it up for you guys because there is a lot of amazing content. Um, We discussed so many different topics and so many of our opinions, and I didn't want you guys to miss out on any of that. So I decided to post it. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. Again, it's a lot of content, so please be prepared to sit down, relax, and enjoy. And without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome, welcome. Ashley is a fellow New Jerseyan. Welcome to my podcast. I am so honored
1: to be here. Yes. Yes. New Jersey, stand up.
0: (laughs) Um, yeah, today we're going to be talking about how real the struggle actually is lately. I think um, you know this year, obviously everybody's experienced some form of struggle, whether you're rich or poor, no matter what your race, creed, whatever, uh, you've experienced some form of struggle, but some of us more than others. And Ashley, if you want to get into some of the struggles you've experienced recently, I'm sure we'd love to hear about it because stress, depression, and anxiety is what this is all about. So let's get into it. Well, um, let's just start with, uh,
1: the fact that this is probably the first time in my life where I fully am living on my own without, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I am approaching Dirty 30s, so it probably should have happened many years ago, but whatever, I guess, um, yeah, and it's scary because I, you know, I don't really have, you know, I have my sister down here, but I ha- I don't really have anyone else. And it's just scary knowing that you are the one responsible of keeping your head af- afloat and where I had like before I was living with my sister. So there's some sort of layer of security where I knew that. I didn't really have to worry about my shelter and stuff like that. Um, You know, the fear of homelessness uh, is, I think, has been with me since I've been five. So,
0: yeah, I mean, I totally understand that. And, you know, what I kind of call it jumping off with no parachute that's what i call it and that's what i relate it to kind of jumping off the plane with Mm -hmm. no parachute because those of us that are fortunate enough to have parents a home that you can go back to um you know you can move out and you can feel more so like okay if something were to go terribly wrong i know that i can move in back home and there's people that have you know move out and move back home like a couple of times before they get it right
1: especially now during COVID. yeah there's
0: tons of stories about that. So, um, you know, not having that parachute can obviously be really scary, but I think it's pretty brave that you were, you know, still wanting to take that step. And it's also, um, freeing to, in a sense to take that step. But again, the struggle is real. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh so, you know, you get paid every 2 weeks. This this paycheck, you know, my my rent quote unquote paycheck, and it for sure was my rent paycheck. It it, it uh I have $11 left, and that is no cap. Uh <laughs> that I have $11 left, and um you know, am I going to Uber to put gas in my tank, basically. Um, yeah, I, I'm an Uber driver trying to get that extra side cash, but yeah, it's um, scary knowing that kind of anything could happen to really fuck it up, um, but I'm trying to remain positive as much as I can, but uh, I I'm, I'm, could break down at any second.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of, it's it's insane when you come to the realization that anything can happen at any time, um, and it's very much true. I, I've talked about this before on my podcast. I've had, you know, this kind of weird addiction to adventure, so I know I've discovered this thing about myself where I can really go, you know, down this road of, like, something, basically, once I start this adventure train, like nothing can stop me. I would literally like lose everything. So for an example, I will literally um, go and do something like maybe someone says, okay, let's, let's take a flight. Let's go somewhere and uh, you know, do, do this thing. And even if it's slightly irresponsible of me, I'll still go because I want the experience. And once I make that decision to do that, then I become like that Jim Carrey character from like yes man Ugh. and like every adventure i'm just like, like yes like you do you want to go here yes do you want to do that yes 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 and it like will careen me down this dark path usually that ends pretty badly <laughs> <laughs> and you know i realized about myself as an adult and i just had to like uh curb that you know later being later in my in my late 20s You know, I've had to curb that because, again, at this point in my life, I don't really have too much of a parachute myself at all. So, you know, any any false move could lead to my uh, demise. Um, And, and, you know, it's weird because there's something a little bit addicting about finding your demise and finding how far you can go. I don't encourage it. I don't encourage it at all.
1: (laughs) It is exhilarating to know that I have $11 for the next two weeks. And how the fuck am I going to make it stretch? Like, I'm about to get on these streets, work these streets. <laughs> I'm about to... I was asking my friend, what's the going market value rate of a blowjob? Just like, what is... What can I do? Am I? What am I going to do? How am I going to hustle? I'm, you know, I do some internet stuff and... You know, the it's just, like, I had plans for this month to, you know, I just moved into this apartment. And um, soon local neighborhood baby is going to move in also. And uh, I wanted to get a dresser. I wanted to get a bookshelf. And those are two literally the only, only things that I need for my room to kind of, like, complete it. And I broke down crying today because I know that I can't get it this month. It's not possible with my with my car payment, my car insurance, and boo-hoo, real-life problems, adult problems. But, like, it's it's scary. And it, it is uh, when you have so much you care about um, that you don't want to lose. It feels like at any moment anything can fuck it up, and especially kind of, like, my experience with life anything can fucking happen
0: <laughs> for sure no hard same hard same anything can absolutely anything can happen um and it's 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 a wild ride to realize that because uh you know once you get into once you get into like true true adulthood um oh we have another guest welcome to the podcast delaney Delaney, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Delaney is, is my soon-to-be third roommate, Ashley's actually my first roommate, um, and Delaney is, you know, my soon-to-be roommate, and uh, let's, let's get you on here as well, why not?
2: Oh, Ooh, wow. a special guest, so, oh my god, I'm, I'm, yes. I'm not good at these, is it recording? Yeah! I'm not good at this. Just- Hey, yeah. what, what, are, we, what, of, are, we, what are we talking stress, about? anxiety,
1: and depression. That's what we're talking Which, about, stress. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, I am the guest for you. <laughs> 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 um,
1: wow, okay. So, how's your day?
2: How was my day? Yeah. Stressful. Yeah. Full of anxiety and Depression. not going to lie. I was a little depressed. Perfect. I'm not even going to lie to you. <laughs> the trifecta that will um, never fail. Yeah. No. But actually, after dropping off the last item to my ex-boyfriend, Ooh. I'm feeling Spicy. I'm feeling on, on a high. I'm, I think I'm going to pour myself a glass of wine. Why, why, oh, yeah. why, why? why not? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah
1: girl
0: and come back here and we can chit chat yeah so 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 you guys have officially met my soon-to-be roommates um i'm moving in the next month and these ladies are absolutely wonderful um but yeah back to what we were we were speaking on um when it comes to adulthood and all its its problems it's it's insane when you get to that realization that like yeah it all rests on you Mm -hmm. um and It's wild because you realize that you that's kind of what makes you realize, you know, you don't truly have your shit together, you know, as much as you'd want to. Um, And it's a harsh, it's a harsh slap in the face a lot of the times for most of us. But um, I, uh, I've had a, a kind of crazy experience with my adulthood. I think I've only started to figure out, figure it out in the last couple of years myself and kind of get into the rhythm of things but 20 your 20s are a hard time. And I want to say to anybody who's in their 20s and they're out there listening, um don't feel bad. I mean, you know, some of us are multimillionaires. Some of us have our shit together, but a lot of us don't. And where a lot of us are going through hard times and you may be comparing yourself to your friends a lot more because we're in the technology age. We have social media, we have Instagram and Facebook and all that, but but honestly, most of us are going through some real and shit. You
1: have to keep in perspective uh, that because of this social media age, a lot of people are putting up uh, as if, you know, that they don't have any problems and they don't want to photograph the problems that they have. So everything looks peachy keen and everything looks great, but everyone is fucking struggling um, to some fucking degree even though they might be flashing certain things and yeah, it's just it's uh one thing, the pressure of the pressure of I just feel like down here in South Florida there's such a huge pressure of uh what you have oh, yeah. and the
2: status, yes. How you appear to other it's all about how you look, a hundred percent. I mean I think being growing up in Florida my whole life, but for the majority of it, in South Florida especially, close to Miami, I mean, it's... I constantly am just comparing myself to other people because it really is down here. How sad. I know. Especially, yeah, like, what you were saying with how it's the age of social media, now it's, like, It's even more. Yeah. I was watching, um, like, this video on YouTube about, like, the science behind social media and, like, the negative impact on it and how, like... Experts are like really, really scared of the effects because now, like kids eight, nine, ten years old have social media accounts. That's all I know. Girls, little girls can't go in front of the camera without putting a filter on their face first. And it's it's. That makes me want to (laughs) cry. It's getting really like it's getting really intense, and I can't even imagine what the next five, ten, fifteen years Mm -hmm. looks like when the young kids right now grow up to be our age. Yeah. I don't even know what it's going to be like at yeah. all. That
0: that is very very true. You know, I I've always stood behind the thought that I don't even think that me- mankind were meant to see you know themselves in the first place. I think the invention of the mirror was the beginning of our demise because to be quite honest, without the mirror in play, you know, um and, and things like uh that allow you to see yourself all the time. I mean, the only place where you could have really saw your reflection was like water, things like that. And you really have to even bend down to see yourself. And I think people saw themselves much better You know, in the times where they weren't, you know, constantly looking in a mirror, constantly comparing, because it's so subjective. The way that you see yourself versus the way that other people see you is so subjective. We see it all the time. Um, You know, you can notice a lot of people, some people think you're beautiful, some people think you're so ugly. You know, you may think something completely different about yourself. And it's just, you know, like they say, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So you can't. It's so it's so wildly subjective that I feel like all the time people spend looking in the mirror is insane. And even the lighting. Think about lighting. Even in different lights, you look completely different. You can look in the mirror, and then you can take a full you know, picture of yourself, and you're like, wait a minute. That's not what I saw in the mirror. Right. So it's so different. And the fact that people have to spend all this time looking at each, uh, themselves now is is kind of insane. Yeah. You know. And I think it will have some negative impacts for sure. These kids are already weird. I have nieces and nephews. <laughs> no, they're, no, they're, they're pretty they're weird. Smart. They're smart. They're That's too smart. Too smart. I think and you know what? The other thing they I noticed have to
1: grow up real quick.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you know what? They're very uh they're very apathetic. And they have really dark senses of humor these kids that are growing up you know i i think that they yeah they're they're used to like feeling the negativity really harshly um
2: well i think that you know we're at an age in time right now where i think going back to i think the internet like we were talking about social media all of history at least the past 100 years is kind of catching up now because the internet is capturing everything and now we all have phones and cameras that are capturing everything Mm -hmm. 10, 20 years ago, people went about their lives and only were here, like, present. And they only thought about what was going on right here, right now. Mm-hmm. But now that we have so much accessibility to everything, mm-hmm. these kids know about everything. These kids have, even though yeah, they weren't there for 9 learning
1: about topics that we didn't learn about until our teens. Like, exactly, I feel like-
2: yeah they're going to grow up probably exposed to sex a lot easier than we were (laughs) exposed to violence like the like just recorded video recorded violence that was just kind of sort of coming about when we were young and now it's like it's just like so much so much is there and um I think like this generation can learn from it (laughs) but I think there also has to be a phase that they're gonna have to go through of I think there's gonna be a phase of chaos, and I think that's kind of what we're in now. Oh, yeah. Like the, the internet age and everything, and all the just everything that's been going on in the world, but now everyone's seeing it for their eye, like with their eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like it's kind of catching up now, and that's why we're in such a chaotic time right now. Because there's just so many, so many issues out there at the, at the tip of your fingers, you know?
1: Yeah, and uh, I just wanna put in a side note we're all drinking margaritas right now, so. <laughs> Uh, stress, anxiety, and depression equals margarita c- cures all. Hey, maybe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, margaritas <laughs> definitely cure everything. Um, I I recommend it for everything. This is, <laughs> you know, um, but and honestly, tequila just cures everything for me. But yeah, probably. yeah. No, the kids are fucked. <laughs> the, ki- the kids are not all right, and. Um, the kids are not all right. <laughs> And uh, it's definitely a chaotic time in the world. It's definitely, like, an entertain... Like, I, I'm i kind of tripped out by the fact that everything feels like it's meant to be entertaining you. You know what I mean? Like, even the news is kind of geared towards entertaining you. Everybody's laughing about everything.
2: Like everything is like a facade. Like, everything is with a, a veil over it of some sort. Everything's filtered. Like, you yeah. know the news? It's not even neutral news anymore. All the news is... Either one side of the other. Everything is, yes, everything is so polarized. I don't remember things being this polarized. Even five, well, I think before Obama, I think once Obama came into office. Even George Bush, George Bush it
1: started. Yeah. I I feel like George Bush had started, I
2: think, at,
1: like, around, like, 9-11. 9 11. I just didn't hear this
2: whole Democrat versus Republican every five seconds as much as I did when Obama got into office. Then it became like really like a two yeah. different sides. But, yeah. but because I think
1: people were so threatened by a black president.
2: Absolutely, they were
1: so
0: fucking why people are
1: you allowed to curse on this
0: podcast? You're absolutely allowed to swear your little heart out. Where do you where um, podcast go? it goes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It goes everywhere. Yeah, no, um, you, I, I agree with both of you. And I think that, you know, again, like this is everything I watch, whether it's the news, whether it's a mass shooting, whether it's whatever it may be has how serious the topic is, doesn't matter. I feel like everything is now, you know, has the ability to be turned into a meme. Everything is like sounds like people are trying to entertain you or, you know, um, make you laugh. And it's kind of weird. It's kinda psycho psychotic to a a point. Very American psychotic though. Yeah.
2: But I feel like people have honestly given up on anything changing. That like I feel like a lot of people have just especially young kids have just adopted the mindset of like we might as well laugh about it because like the world is so crazy and like what are we gonna do about it? Like it's really up to those guys and they're not doing anything right now. So yeah, I hear you. It's it is really sad. Like even today, I was on Instagram, and I was scrolling, and I saw a meme of, like, a school shooting, and they used the audio from the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Parkland shooting, mm-hmm. where, like, 17 kids died, and that was a mile from my house. So when I first Same. saw the meme, really, so when I first saw the meme, I immediately recognized the audio, but everybody in the comments had no idea what this audio was from. Wow. I thought it was just regular gunshots, but I remember the specific audio, and I... Wrote a comment and I was like, you do know this audio is from like the Stoneman Douglas shooting and then they were like, No way, and I was like, Google it. It's the 19 second video. If you Google MSD Parkland shooting, it's the 19 second video on Snapchat from a kid in the class. Wow. And people were like, Oh my god, you're right. And then the post got taken down. Like the person who posted it took it down and was like, I'm so sorry, I didn't realize. But they were just reposting an innocent meme that kids watch. And it's just it's so sad that these kids are absorbing it and not knowing right
1: and that's the continuation of being desensitized
0: Yeah. oh absolutely that is (laughs) like the
1: epitome of being desensitized but I
2: also think this generation is also the most vocal vocal about Mm -hmm. issues and empathetic I think that there is a it's just like today how everything is so polarized there's the kids who don't who just like laugh about everything, they don't take anything seriously. But I do think this generation is a really vocal generation as far as issues mm-hmm. because they almost can't look away. I mean, no, when all can. the issues, when the issues are in the schools, when mm-hmm. the issues are, you know, if, even if you're just a, a black kid, you mm-hmm. know, it's going to affect you. And I feel like they're starting to like really. Uh... Yeah,
0: what really changed my life, you know, speaking of those shootings and those things that have happened over the last, you know, 10 years. What really changed my life was actually seeing a post on Facebook and it said, you know, hey, uh, black people, you don't have to watch these videos. They're really... You know, they're they're really uh, triggering for your mental health and they can cause mental health issues. Don't feel compelled to watch these videos. And that kind of like really, you know, uh, resonated with me because I kept seeing these you know things come up. And I felt like I had to watch them to be aware of these issues. And, you know, in watching them, they you know, obviously these are like such brutal things that are occurring and you know it does something to you and it's kind of crazy because i feel like our generation which i'll consider just like the millennials i think that we are the generation with the most mental health problems that have ever been talked about or see everybody's like i have anxiety everybody's like i have depression and all that stuff and it's it's obvious why it's it's really obvious why you know that that's happening uh, is because we've had to see all these things. The thing that the shooting that affected me the most, if we're gonna really get into it, is
1: Let's
0: get into it. is <laughs> that school shooting with the kids. I forget what school. Oh,
1: Connecticut. Oh the yeah. Connecticut,
2: the 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 kindergartners, oh. So. oh, that
0: that particular day, I remember. Yeah.
2: It's like two words. Yeah.
0: That particular event, I remember like I was just so. And I remember Sandy Hook.
2: Sandy, Sandy, Hook,
0: Sandy, Sandy Hook. Hook. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, that really devastated me. I really, I started crying. I remember my sister. She actually was at you know school in Coral Springs. Um, at, at the time, we lived right on Coral Ridge. Um, and and those children that day, she was like, I don't feel safe. I don't want to go to school tomorrow. You know, and it's funny because, not funny, but it's funny because not too long after that was when, you know, that, that whole shooting happened at Stoneman Douglas. And she was saying that she didn't feel safe going to school. And that wasn't too far from her school either, you know, and people called in threats too, you know, to different schools. It became like this, this thing almost. Yeah, that movie theater shooting. Um, that that person that dressed up as a Joker, and it, it started to feel like you couldn't be safe anywhere. And then after yeah. that, it was a church, and then it was like the the club. Uh, Dylan
2: Roof. Oh yeah, like when Dylan Roof shot up. um, Maybe I'm getting it wrong. I don't want to say it wrong. Like a church or a synagogue or a mosque or something. And the cops took him to McDonald's Burger King. Burger King. Yeah. Got him a, a fucking Whopper. Yeah. After. It was it was a historically
0: wrestling. black church or something
2: like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So, In South Carolina. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think that was I yeah. think that was Dylan Roof if I'm remembering it correctly. That's just that that specific thing. They took him to Burger King to get a Whopper for his last meal before he went to jail. That blows my mind because if that's not the epitome of white privilege, not getting <laughs> shot after you just shot up a whole black church. church. But to add insult to injury. Taken to Burger King after, and then you know like you rewarded. Know, rewarded like, like rewarded like, literally rewarded it like it makes my and my, uh,
1: with the sandy Hook shooting uh i don 't know this i I always think of this um in Star Wars <laughs> uh, where Anakin um, starts going to the dark side and uh princess or whatever, what is the other, the woman, Natalie Portman's character? Princess Leia? N- not Leia. Is it Leia? Yeah. Not okay. I'm sure it's Princess Leia. Okay. She goes, you killed the younglings? Like, the, you, because he went in that group of little young Jedi, like, and you killed them. And I just, like, wow. when that happened, I was like, oh my God, somebody actually can look at a child's face mm-hmm. and... And kill them, and to me, I just like that if somebody can do that, I don't know. And then it's just like this world is so fucked up. And then, <laughs> and,
2: and then for there to really be people out there to to advocate against gun control blows my mind too. Right after it's like how many more shootings? Like do. Pre, more preschoolers have to die do more high schoolers have to who, die who, has to, who die has to die to make a change to, someone who's related to the politicians that's who someone who's related to the politicians do, absolutely like
0: really you know <laughs> i don't I, Sorry, No. I, I don't think anyone else has to die i think it's probably a thing of all minorities probably you know that are willing and able to do so need to all go and get registered and get gun licenses because that's the reverse psychology that's needed because I guarantee you that if every, you know, minority group out there that, you know, is able to legally to do so and goes and let, registers for a legal firearm and, and they have this overwhelming amount and they're seeing everyone do it that they don't necessarily want to do it then I guarantee you they'll make some sort of a change and make it a little more restricted in order to do it. Because that seems to be the only motivating factor in my mind. And also that particular time where there was happening shooting after shooting after shooting, it was almost like someone had this like weird sick plot to prove a point that no matter if you were at a mall or a church, or oh, a kindergarten or school, yeah. or a middle school, or a high school, or at home, or walking somewhere, that you Running. were never going to be safe. It was very, like, terroristic, even though um, supposedly none of these people were r- related in any way to each other. The way that it was happening, like, no matter where you go, what you're doing, you always have this, okay. you know, fear, because it's like, I can't go to the club, I can't go to the movies, I can't go to school, I can't go to work, I can't go, yeah, anywhere. I
1: totally forgot about
0: Polo. Yeah, that was so, t- because you know what's crazy about that? What was crazy about that? I remember not too long before um, before that shooting in Orlando of the, of the gay uh, club. Uh, A lot of my friends and I were going to Wilton Manor's, which is a place in Florida where there's a lot of gay clubs. We go to all these gay guy clubs mainly because that's a place we could go because we felt so safe, because there was nobody trying to hit on us, and we could, like, get... Drunk and like dance as much as we wanted to and it was so much fun and we could talk to all the gay guys They were always giving us compliments and having like a good time. There was no pressure there. It was so fun I danced my heart out there I had the best times of my life at a club there just because you knew you can go nobody's gonna try to spike your drink It's like just such a good time and you felt safe and it's so funny because not too long after that you know that time in my life that shooting happened and I was like oh my god that could have been me I was at you know those clubs in Wilton Manor's and somebody could have you know done a hate crime there and I could have died and I stopped going you know so it's just it again it was like another thing like yeah you can't go anywhere you can't do anything without fear of of death you know and violence and if that's not terroristic I don't know what is.
2: going based off what you were saying um like minorities getting well not even really minorities anymore but people of color getting more guns and getting registered but look at the whole Breonna Taylor case I mean Kenneth Walker her boyfriend had a license he was registered in Louisiana they have stand your ground laws so he had he was in his full legality and right to pull out his gun when they knocked on the door and didn't say who they were You know, that's when he shot through the door once, and then they they went ham and fired, you know, a bunch of bullets. Five of which, unfortunately, went through Brianna. But George
1: Zimmerman can stand your ground and totally be fine.
2: Oh, you know, he like signs packets of Skittles. If people come up to him, they're like, oh, sign my. He'll like sign them. He's like, uh, (laughs) I don't even get me started on George Zimmerman. But um, it just it makes you feel like there's no hope, even if you are a black man registered with a gun. Yeah. Like completely legally, you never use your gun outside the range. You, you can't know. even
1: be a black man uh, driving a car. Period. Driving a car it's without uh, possibly getting pulled over for fucking nothing. It's it and it, it's something out. that I'll never relate to. I'll never know, but I I can't imagine. But you know it's I, wrong, it, and that's
2: the point.
1: I I can't. You know it's wrong. I
0: can't imagine. Yeah. I remember one of the scariest experiences I had, I actually went, uh, it was like late night and I had to go in, I wanted to go get some money from the ATM. And that was like years ago. I was probably like 18, 19 years old. And uh, my godbrother had come over the house and I was like, okay, can you take me to the bank? I need to go to the ATM and get some money. And he was like, sure. And he, he was doing a security job at the time. So he had, he was registered. He had a weapon. I didn't know that he had a weapon in the car, but he did. He had a weapon in his, his glove compartment. And so we went to the ATM. I got my money, and he, like, reversed out, like, the wrong way. So there's like a way you're supposed to go, and he went the wrong way. And we got stopped by the cop that was monitoring, like, the bank. And, um, you know, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't like this. I don't, I, I'm just a person that I don't like you know, being approached by any cops for any reason. Now I'm in the passenger seat. And so the cop comes to the passenger side of the car because I guess it's their like standard procedure. And uh, he's flashing this big flashlight in and uh, he goes, what's that? And um, you know, he's looking in the, in the cup holder area and there's like, like uh, I guess like bu- gun shells or like bullet, you know, bullets there. And you know, my god brother was like, uh, you know, I have a, I'm registered, I have a weapon you know, in the vehicle, and and he's like, okay, well, let me see your license, and I'm, like, terrified. At that point, I'm like, what is going on? What did I get myself into? My little sister's in the backseat, and I'm just like freaking out. I'm like, my hands are on like my knees, and I'm just like not trying to move or do anything, you know, that would like basically get me killed. And this guy's like standing right next to me, basically. And so my brother hands over his license, he passes it to me to hand to the, the cop, and you know, I'm just shaking. So I hand it over to him, and, you know, he goes and he runs it, and he's like, okay. He's like, yeah, you know, you can't reverse out this way. Luckily, we basically, you know, it was fine. But I told him afterwards, I was like, I told my girlfriend, I'm like, I'm never ever getting into a car with you again what the hell is wrong with you that was the scariest experience in my life this actually happened in like during the obama era when all those killings were just randomly you know yeah. kept happening yeah. and i was like i'm never getting into a car with you again that's the worst thing that's ever happened to me if i i felt like i could have died at any moment i could have become a hashtag at any moment um people have died for like a lot less um I remember there's a story of this one guy that was shot, like, I don't know, I think it was more than 30 times, and he was reaching for his license. And, um, you know, and they said, oh, we thought thought he was reaching for something, even though they asked him, you know, and I was just, I was, like, you know, so disturbed by that. But, yeah, it's scary. It's it's very, very scary. I don't know. There's nothing like it. There's really nothing like it to feel so unsafe um, all the time and I think that's like the time we're living in because people can say things on national television and go back the next day and say I never said that (laughs) and it's just like widely accepted by like a large group of people like well no we never said it and I'm like are we looking at the same thing are we watching the same thing like is anyone here is this like the twilight zone Um, it's just there's so much going on right now it's like insane and like you said you know hopelessness is like a big, you know, major feeling of like, you know, you can't look away. A lot of people are speaking up because there's no other choice but to speak up, but you still feel so hopeless because the power... No one's
1: really listening. No. Uh, No. I, I I can't even imagine like growing older in this life and I can't I can't imagine myself growing old it's just like I I don't know where the end's gonna be but one day I feel like the end is gonna happen I'm gonna like this is the end and I need to go (laughs) and that's it I don't know I feel
2: like I used to be able to predict like how my life would be when I was older but I think now that everything is coming to a head Especially too, with like, global warming, all the fires, yeah. all the just crazy things that are going on, like, and how they say by 2050 everything's going to be, like, apocalyptic, basically. Like, I can't imagine. Can't I mean, imagine. Florida is destined to be underwater. Yeah, in California. And, and like, s- literally
1: South Florida is, de- it is going to be underwater. There's going to be no South Florida. And um. even in the smallest amount of rain... In, the, in some of these neighborhoods uh, by us, um, are even in a pouring rain that's not even that severe, it is so devastatingly flooded. And I, I'm an Uber driver, so uh, there are times where um, I'm driving in torrential downpours and I go into these, some, of, some of these neighborhoods, which are lower income neighborhoods, and it's just devastatingly flooded. And it's, it's, it's not even a hurricane. It's not even a fucking hurricane. So I'm like, the fact that that's happening and there's nothing happening in our government to try to appease the situation or try to fix the situation or whatever is, is crazy to me. And, yeah, I just, like, we're going to be underwater. Florida's going to, I mean, California's going to be all burned up. It's just like, where do we, where do we go from here?
0: <laughs> nowhere fast. We're going, <laughs> nowhere. We're going nowhere fast. That's the point. You know, I, I, I've become, a, you know, I have been for a long time, but I've become every year more and more apathetic. I feel like I wake up no, every day. No yeah, I just don't yes. feel anything. And I, I've talked about that before. Like, I, you know, so many times I just go through my entire day and I just don't feel anything. And I remember you know, feeling things like I remember like things that'll happen to me, you know, or have happened to me before. And I and I felt them in such like a big capacity. And now when they happen to me, it's like, I don't feel a thing, you know, and I think it's probably like, um, my brain and uh, protecting me against like the onslaught of feelings I could possibly be having. But it's still crazy because, like, I just don't feel anything. I feel like I'm just, like, in a movie sometimes and, like, you know, all these things are happening. And it's, like, it can't, like, it's not even real to me almost. And uh, it's kind of insane. Kind of insane. But also, you know, contributes to the fact that I'm, like, I don't know if I could ever have kids. Anybody having kids right now, honestly? Uh, Anybody? guys have some dolls. Yeah, you guys have some balls.
1: Uh, A thing I like to think about is that uh, if I ever do have kids, I want to adopt because there are so many children that are young and need uh, a home. And I think about that, it's just like a lot of the time I feel like when people want their own kid, okay I get it, you want your own kid, biological kid me that could be a little selfish when there's a lot of okay. children
2: yeah, I,
1: I a, I of no but like there's a lot of children um, that would love just somebody who would care for them mm-hmm. and you can, you can treat that kid just like the, that they're, they're biological children um, and to me that you know why don't we help the kids that are in need first uh, before we uh, bring more kids into naturally. Um, how about we help out and adopt? And if I ever had a kid, I feel like I would want to adopt. But you know what's sad? The adoption system is so hard. Where, kid, where people can have kids naturally and be the fucking worst parents in the world, but the, the people that actually want, are dying to adopt have to go through all these fucking loopholes and I just it kills me it it kills me and I get it you have to be a good person to adopt you have to be stable to adopt but also how about you have to be stable and a good person to fucking have a kid in the fucking first place how about that
2: but there is no... And unfortunately, there really is no vetting system. It's like once you get pregnant, you're pregnant. It's not like anyone's going to knock at your door and be like, knock, knock, knock. Hey, are you psychologically right. okay to, right. to it? There is not that. Yeah. But, and you but know, I'm... You stopped. Yeah. You have to be. Exactly. <laughs> I've been having this conversation. Actually, it's just funny that this gets brought up because I was talking to my friend Christina about this and she brought up adoption and then now you bring up adoption and I... It was just funny when you said it seems selfish, in my head, I was thinking about my perspective and how I feel like it could be viewed as selfish because my whole life I've always been just fascinated and just in love with the idea of being pregnant. Yeah. And I know no, that that and beautiful. just it's a beautiful the thing. beautiful like yeah. bo- like being able to carry around a child that you created with your body like it's just so strong and yeah. powerful. I don't need a man. Like I can literally take a sperm <laughs> and put it in me and then raise that child as my own. I yeah. I could be a single mother. Like I really don't need a f- family necessarily and I've come to realize that recently but I have been I've always just thought about carrying my own child biologically but now I'm just hearing all these people talk about adoption and it's I mean I would so be open for adoption I just have never really I just don't think that's ever really been like instilled in me as much as it is other people I mean everybody has other everybody has different experiences growing up but I just I don't know I would definitely do both but I would definitely want to be pregnant at some point. I would even be a surrogate mother. Like just, I, just, I just carrying a child can't, I feel you know is what? so I thought about rewarding. being a surrogate too.
1: Yeah. And giving the opportunity uh, to be able to do something for, for somebody who else who cannot get pregnant but yearns so oh. immensely for a child. And to be able to be a carrier for that person Uh, It is such an honor. And, yeah, I I, just, like... I
2: think there also is something to be said by, like, just the natural human um, response to, like, find out a mate with characteristics you love, you know, and combining that with your characteristics. And just having this energy and having this connection and putting it into a child that can actually be, it's just crazy and the fact that surrogacy is even a thing blows my mind cuz yeah. i was watching like keeping up with the kardashians yeah. and she had a surrogate and i had to google like do the surrogate mother's genes or anything dna no. go into the and no they don't and that, they don't. that's crazy it's just like a shell that's you're, crazy. Just a body. Uh, you're just a the
1: body nurturing a, something that's not yours
2: that is insane to me yeah. like i love that yeah. i don't know i love like biology and science and just like yeah. the whole creation pro- and just how it all works just fascinates me yeah. personally yeah, you're just kind of like an incubator.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, that's, a, that's a, such an interesting topic, you know, to talk about adopting kids. It's funny because I, I, I mean, growing up, I, I lived in like kind of a weird household where, you know, my mom had she has three kids, you know, me, myself, my brother and my sister. And throughout my entire life she kind of took in strays as i would call it like she you know my godbrother would always be over the house and then eventually he moved in with us i had a cousin that uh again eventually she they they adopted it and like you know moved in with us and I had like you know more cousins that like what basically became like you know kind of like adopted children and like moved in with us um and my mom would have, like, friends that she, you know, she, they, they would ask her, like, can you take them for me? Because, you know, your kids seem to, like, listen to you, and, like, and it was this wow. weird thing, yeah. And, like, they would live with us for years. Like, it was, wow. it was insane. And so we always had all, like, these, you know, extra kids in our house. And it made it fun, you know, at times to grow up, but it also sometimes it was, like, kind of a strain because I felt like, you know, I was already a middle child between my brother and my sister. And, um... So I definitely had the middle child syndrome. And then having all the extra kids in the house, too, was kind of like, man, you definitely get lost in the sauce. And for a long time, me and my mom didn't have a close relationship because I, I kind of felt like, you know, it was a big group of kids. And, you know, you just, yeah, you get lost in it. But, like,
2: prioritize people who weren't
0: yeah, over who you felt maybe. yeah, yeah, a little bit. And then, you know, um, through the years and stuff. So I, I kind of, like, started with that view of, like, you know, sort of adoption, I felt like it was just kind of like um, a strenuous thing. Then I also watched that movie. What's that? The Orphan. Oh, oh that movie no. was creepy, man. Yeah. That movie was... It is. It's good. Awesome.
2: That, yeah, it's a horror film
0: where like they adopt this young girl and you know, Which and you haven't seen it. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, they adopted this young girl and they thought it was a young girl, but it turns out like it was just this older 30-year-old. woman, 30-something-year-old woman, who just had like this weird disease where she looked like, I don't know, like a twelve year old girl or something, and she like uh, the last house that she was in she like- ki- violently killed the 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 mother of the household and then slept with the father and like wanted to have this like weird relationship and it was just it was creepy, you know I guess it's a, like supposedly a real story, but like I watched that, and I was well, like, hmm. I mean,
1: it's like Woody- <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like Woody Allen fucking uh they adopted him and his wife adopted that
2: uh, Su- 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 yeah, uh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what fucked around with her. Marry her, right? Marry her. You know, like, that's, that's weird. That's a little. That's yeah, scary. there's those
0: weird situations, and then on top of that, on top of that, I, of words, like, I, I felt love. like, you know, I also feel like a lot of my life, I've heard all these stories about like. Oh my God, you know, you remind me of like your aunt, this so-and-so, and oh, you, you did this, and this is kind of reminds me of your grandmother. And I feel like, you know, it made me think that there's so much more in your DNA than you, than you could absolutely imagine. There's so many people in your family and in your generation, you know, generational line and in your DNA that you're so much like, you know, that you don't even know. You may not know that you're like your great-great-grandmother, exactly the same as her, like has so many traits that are exactly like her, or you're like exactly like your uncle or your great uncle or something like that. And I feel like, you know, when you have your own children, you can kind of see uh, you kind of have, like, an idea of who of, of who they remind you of and where they get certain things and, like, why they act a certain way. And you can better, you know, help them become fully formed human beings. And I think, like, sometimes when you adopt and you don't know where any of those traits are coming from and you can't relate to them, like, imagine if you can't relate to them. I guess my fear is, like, you don't understand them enough and, and you could be so completely, like, not... Uh, you don't you don't relate as much to them and it's kind of like i don't know i guess sometimes i feel like maybe it could potentially be hard so i guess i have a lot of fears concerning adoption i think it's totally right and fair to say like there's a lot of kids that need a loving home and again my mom's and my dad are like both we're like, a, a prime, like, example of that. They were willing to take in any kid that needed help. I'm sure, like, they were willing to take in some of our friends that just seemed like they needed a, a, a better home, but, like, yeah, I have, I have a lot of fears about it.
2: No, yeah, I, I actually feel the exact same way. I think it's extremely fair to say that um, anyone can be, should just be open to taking in a kid, but, just like we were talking about, people are not fit to have their own children. people aren't fit to raise other children, especially ones that maybe are culturally different, biologically different like they just have different behaviors that you will just never fully understand as an adult because also too, when we become adults we're stuck in our ways like we think we know who we are, like these are my traits I'm never going to be like. Like the other side, because that's just not who I am. So it's like, how are you? Who are you to say, like, your child's not going to grow up that way? And of course, you can be open to, ex- I feel like if you're a very open and accepting person, then yeah. you are right for adoption. Right. But like, I think what you were saying, like, me specifically, I don't know my dad's side of the family at all. Both my grandparents died when I was very young. Um, I'm really only close with my mom's side but really immediate family because they are they mostly live in Illinois so I'm just personally not very close I'm not like I don't have a huge I have a big family but it's not like we all get together and we're all very yeah, friendly no. and familial so it's like or
1: you get together in funeral
2: in funerals, you so see yeah. each other
1: in funerals. That's when I used to have... I used to get excited for funerals because that would be my... <laughs> Dear boy. Yo. God. Yo. I'd be like family reunion. Yeah. Someone died? Hell yeah. Let's go. I'm going to see my cousins, my uncles, my... Yo. I is, it is lit. I am so hyped for a funeral. I know I'm going to see everyone that I wish I could see because... Family could be so isolating to each other. Yes,
2: and I think that's what I... Like, because I wasn't very, like, super, super close, I didn't... I've never... I've always felt a little bit alone, in a sense. Yeah. So I think I can relate to adopted kids who feel like they don't have a family, but I can also... I also have the feeling, like, I want to to build my own family, like, from myself, because I didn't have a very healthy relationship with all the members of my family it makes me want to create that for yeah. my future like I want a big happy family because yeah. I didn't get that so it's like but who's to say you can't also have adopted kids in that you know it's, no, I think it's exactly journey, yeah. and
1: I think that um you raise a good point is uh I feel like people some people when they adopt they're very cookie cutter so Um, they want the kid to fit into their plan. Yeah, they want the kid to fit into their life. Where really, when you adopt, you have to fit into their life. They're the child here. You don't know what kind of trauma they have. You don't know what kind of baggage they have. You want to say, "Child, I accept you as you are. Come to me. You're in a safe place.
2: I'm your mother.
1: I'm your family. I'm I'm your your family. I'm gonna accept." Yeah. you as you are and you know what if you if you come to me you're going to you know you're going to see that we have love here we have acceptance here we you know any problem that you have we're here for you cuz that's what family is all about and i feel like adoption is so there's a lot of people who get signed up for you know get approved for adoption
2: that are fucking horrible parents too
1: it's just like
2: the craziest example I don't know if you guys like like loom on YouTube but there's this one vlogger named Micah Stauffer she's a lifestyle mommy family vlogger you know and it's actually a really big story if you like look on YouTube there's tons of videos about it she adopted this little boy from China she before she adopted you know of course she was documenting this whole thing and during this whole adoption process is when she started to get like really big. So I think like she, you'll see, you'll see. She, <laughs> she was like writing on pages on Facebook, like, hey guys, like what would you guys consider special needs for child for adopted children that would also be kind of easy or something like that. And she ended up adopting this little boy who based on the medical records that came from China, he had a brain tumor after three years of living with them, they realized he didn't really have he didn't have a brain tumor or he didn't it went away, but he was autistic. So he wasn't terminally ill. He was just he just had behavioral issues and they gave him up. After three wow. years. And if you wow. watch the video if you watch the videos.
1: You actually have trauma. Oh my god. Went An autistic boy. And I oh. took this so
2: hard because my brother's autistic. Oh. And so, like when I first read this story, I was like. Oh, hell no. And this is like what you were saying, cookie cutter, adoptees are cookie cutter. Yeah. This is like the white picket fence, blonde mom, brunette, dad. They have three, bi- they already have some biological children, but they wanted to adopt a special needs kid for some reason for clout. Obviously now it's come out yeah. for clout and they rehomed him in every video that they talk about the issues with the boy. His name was um, Huxley. Mm-hmm. All the issues they had with Huxley they were like basically they made every video about them and how this was hard for them they never they were like wow. we just want to protect Huxley's oh. privacy they uh, never did you they, they I, treated that boy adoption different
1: parents I have seen in my own eyes uh, especially I was raised born again Christian so there are some people in the church that adopted and it was like oh Look how amazing I am. Uh, yeah, Look like, how good I am.
2: White savior complex. Oh! White savior oh! Complex. Oh, say it again? That's that white savior complex. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, like, so
1: nauseating. And you're, you're adopting a child for show. How depraved are you? But they don't
2: even oh. think about it like that. Because the thing about it, like... I don't want to get into this topic, but okay, I believe, and I think being a white person for 23 years, I've seen a lot of white people, I think, I think white people are spiritually dead. I believe in this. I think thousands of years of war, brutality, pillaging, rape, um, wow. slavery, has wow. desensitized and despiritualized the white race. Wow. And I firmly believe that, because everything that happens is ingrained in your DNA, generation after generation after generation. White people care about themselves, and I, I feel like non-white people care about the collective. And I, that's just what I've seen, or that's what they, I've
1: seen. Or they are forced to care about
2: themselves
1: because they know no one else will. Because they
2: know, yes, exactly. Right. It's, in, it's right. deep rooted, you're right. Right? It's deep rooted because right. they know deep down the white, white people are the enemy in terms of history. If you're going to look history wise, like white people have done the worst. Yeah. So now, here we are, white people carry around this white guilt and this white shame, and they don't, As and, they should. and it gets compartmentalized and internalized. But
1: some people don't handle the white guilt well.
2: I don't think people realize it either. I don't think people really genuinely know yeah. that they have it or that they're walking around with this, yeah. I don't know, this, this like, I don't know. It's just something that I think about a lot, just based on my experiences with so many people. I, I just, that's how I feel. And I think, yeah, when there's white parents doing, when there's white people doing anything, it's like, look at me, like, look at what I'm doing, look at how it's making wow. me look. It has to be flashy. It has to. You know, And it's like, what are you compensating for? What are you compensating Resulted. for? Yeah, what are you creating this facade? What are you painting this picture for?
1: Because you feel so threatened. Uh, and you need to prove yourself um, in so many ways. Because uh, all you've done is taken, 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 stolen, 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 stolen hurt, hurt, hurt and you really have nothing at the end you have nothing to show for it like really
0: some powerful <laughs> words some powerful words <laughs> i <laughs> That perspective for sure i think that there's a lot of people when it comes to adoption when it comes to even having like a step family or being in any kind of situation where you're in a place where you're not with your immediate nuclear family the feeling of being an outsider is too real i remember living with my aunt a couple of months who by the way she lived with my parents Her and her kids and her husband lived with my parents for years. I mean, they were, like, raised in our household. And, you know, they ended up after maybe, I don't know, five, six years buying, like, their own home. And uh, I remember living with them for just a couple of months, and it was, like, pure hell, you know, (laughs) living with them. Because, you know, the way you get treated by some people when you're not their children is unreal. Oh, Being a stepchild... Being being a stepchild, being, like, not, like, with your your parents. I mean, parents can be pretty bad. Parents can be pretty horrible. There's some pretty horrible parents out there. But, like, you know... Not, not being with your parents is a, is a whole other ball game and being, you know, made to feel like an outsider, made to feel like less than, you know, is a whole other thing. Outside of race, outside of all those things, I think that, you know, just feeling like an outsider in a household is a big thing. And I would never want to do that to any kid, you know, that wasn't my own ever. I, I would like to think that I, you know, would be as so conscious about it that, like, it wouldn't happen, but I also, like, have a fear about everything, because I have a lot of anxiety, so, like, I don't know, I'd be always worried, like, if I had my own kid and I adopted, I'd be always worried that, you know, maybe, does that adopted feel, feel you know, as loved, or as, like, or do you feel as relieved? because I remember... Being that kid that was living with my parents and having like my cousins and my, you know, godbrother and all that living with us. And they're, you know, they're also there as, as children in the household. And sometimes I'd be pissed at them and I'd be like, look, you know, you're a fucking asshole. You know, I, I would do that. I'd be like, you're an asshole. You know, don't talk to my mom like that. You're lucky that you have this time with my mom. You have your own mom or your own dad or your own family. You know, and, 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 my, my parents have t- taken you in and just because you don't agree with the rules here or you're mad, now you're talking shit. You don't have the right to talk shit. You can just go back to your own parents, you know? And I was like, maybe like 12, 13 saying this, but those are like pretty harsh words. So words. you were, yeah, those are fighting <laughs> words. But so you, you, you know, I would worry about my own kids sometimes being frustrated and then pulling that card. Or like sometimes, you know, when you are with a step family or when you are, you know, in a family where you're adopted or something like that. I've always seen those things where the kids sometimes. Always have that yearning to kind of know their real parents, and and be connected to their real parents because you. I think it's just a human thing. Like you have this inner yearning to know who you are, and who you are. Yeah, is so connected to like where you come from because I'm still in disbelief about so many things that like, you know, uh, from previous generations and from seeing other people. You know, in my family, I used to always. I grew up a lot around my mom's side of the family. And we stayed away from my dad's side of the family more so because, I don't know, they, my mom's side of the family was so much more straight-laced. You know, we had lawyers, we had mortgage brokers, you have doctors, you have all these people. And we, were, we, we hung out with them more so. And then the other side of the family was was completely the opposite of that. My dad's side of the family was so the opposite of that. And so we didn't spend a lot of time with them until I was a lot older. And I started to realize, like, you know what? I, I used to always think, like, I have nothing in common with these people. But as I got older, I was like, no. You know, I get my anxiety, I think, a lot from my dad's side of the family. My dad has the most anxiety of anybody I know. You know, I get his, his uh, spirit for adventure, you know, and, and his family side, you know, they're all very adventurous people to a fault, you know, <laughs> to a fault, which is, is something yeah which is something i feel like i get from them and then also like you know my dad was the first person to teach me about stars and like constellations he was so into art he was so into like you know things like that music and all that stuff and i'm a very you know a person that like loves writing love creative arts love painting love you know all of those things that he was into what my dad completely abandoned our family i haven't talked to him since i was 25 and you know he was with me my entire life and um you know it, it's so it's it was so hard because my my dad was like uh I, I don't remember a time where he wasn't saying that he wanted to like just leave all of the, his responsibilities of children like behind he was always constantly saying that and we were just like you know I always felt like um uh, like kind of a, a bit of a burden to him like always uh, and you know um I yeah, it, it was really tough. It was really tough. And, you know, um, to have somebody in your life that long, because I always say like, you know, with that with a dad that's not there, you know, it's really hard to have a dad that's not there. But but uh, you always have that feeling of like, well, if he were there, you know, things would be different. And I feel like that's a little comforting. Whereas, like, when your dad is there and he's like, you know, doesn't really want too much to do with you, and doesn't want to be there. It's like really, it's really, really hard. And you uh, know, it's right, in your face. it's right in your face. And yeah. it's also like, you know, it's also this thing that, that you know, it's like, okay, uh, if this person can be in my life for like 25 years and then just decide, like, you know, fuck you you know, then anybody could do that to you because this is a person that was involved in like putting you on this planet and they don't even want to be around you. They don't want to talk to you. They don't care if you live or die. So uh, I always, i always struggle with that. Oh, thank you. I always struggle with that. Um, You know, that whole thing. And I think um, all the traumas that, that come along with like being unwanted and, you know, yeah, being unwanted, being unwanted. You know,
1: um, I would like to kind of add to all this, Um, I, my guardians uh, from when I, from February 98 uh, to basically when I turned 18 were my aunt and uncle. And they constantly reminded me of how much of a burden I was. Um, I was, they love to say, oh, the night I was dropped at their doorstep. Really, it was my Grammy's doorstep. And God bless her. She was an amazing That's woman. The worst
2: thing you could say to a child. Yeah. yeah. It's just like that you're a burden, you know, that you, we didn't ask for And you. literally,
1: <laughs> literally 8 o'clock at night, Of February 98, we were at their doorstep ringing their doorbell with um, this one woman. And, uh, you know, it was so scary because my mom had told me that these were evil people that were, you know, because she had mental illness. So, you know, that's why we got into this situation. But I was scared going into this household because... Um, my mom had told me such horrible things about my Grammy, um, you know, whatever, but it turned out that my Grammy was great. My aunt and uncle were definitely evil. Um, but they, once my Grammy died, they wanted to remind me on a daily basis, how much good they were doing and how much, um, they compromised their own life for us and that we were a burden. Whereas, if they were good Christian people as they claim to be, they would say, No, this is God's will. This is God's will to take care of these children who have virtually no parents. One is dead and one is mentally ill. Like you you have the opportunity of really giving this these two girls, my sister and I, um a a home, a, uh, a stable life, and love and just, and, and, feeling, you know. and they just, they just wanted to twist the knife, twist the knife into us. And like, let us remind us that we, we are inconvenienced to them. And the fact that like any, uh, I was very sheltered and, um, anything that i did to rebel which was like bringing coldplay cds into the house bring twilight the twilight saga books and they literally burned they literally like broke the coldplay cds in my face and i would cry and they would burn literally burn in a charcoal grill my twilight books and 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 just make me feel like I am, I, am, I am so horrible and that they are doing such a favor to me um, in raising me, which really they should have been taking as a blessing. They should have been taking as, oh my God, I have this opportunity to take in these two girls who have no parents, who have no way through life, and I'm here to comfort them and they fucking blew it man they, were they blew ob- they
2: were it obviously just radicals though and yeah, oh there's oh, a yeah. lot of people like that but not oh, everybody they were like radicals it, for sure they were radicals that's just so sad it's just so so sad but i relate
1: to um local neighborhood babies uh <laughs> kind of you know feeling of and you're feeling
2: you know like no
1: you're feeling of just like knowing that
2: it's just it's worse when you have like more than two parents like I had four parents I had two parents and two step-parents and neither of my step-parents ever made me feel like I was their kids and because my mm-hmm. parents were my parents never took my side you know my parents were always on because they didn't want to ruffle any feathers no and they always felt like they always were like i don't want to be in the middle i don't want to be in the middle and it's like and that's your job it's your job like you married them i'm your child (laughs) i came before them like what the fuck and so it felt like not only did i have two parents but i had four parents who didn't care about me enough yeah and Mm -hmm. you know everybody's situation is different mine's not worse than yours no, it's all relative. It's terrible, but it's like... It's all relative. It's just unfortunate. I don't agree. It just, make, it just makes you think, like, everybody is going through something. You never know how someone was raised. Right. And it seems like today, everybody was raised with some trauma or some shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. nothing was... Yeah. Because back then, everything was like, okay, you married someone, you stayed with them, there was no divorce, you raised... Even if things were unhappy, you made things seem like things were good and things were happy. Keeping up with the Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses. But I think now, today, it's it's impossible. And now, yeah. it's it's... Like we were saying earlier, it's just come to a head. Everything is just so chaotic. The population has grown so big. So, sh- like, the internet, how accessible information is and how, min- like, easily our minds are manipulated. manipulated. Yeah. You know, back then, everything was so simple. Everything was so one, two, three, ABC. Now things are But I are don't like know complex. if simple
1: was good either. No, simple <laughs> is not good.
2: Things are Because you can be
1: naive. Now. Yeah. Um, and I feel like uh, I'm a strong believer in... Not one person's situation is worse than the other. It's all relative to that person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having a toothache might be the worst thing that you've ever experienced. But that's literally valid to you. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And that's painful to you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But me having whatever I had in my life is valid to me. Yeah. But to negate, oh, well, you didn't have to go through this. Well, you didn't have to go through that.
2: We just need to be, we just need to stop being so quick to judge and like, oh, well, uh, my situation's worse than yours. Right. So you need to shut up. Like, right. no, like we need to really all just be open and listen to each other, especially right now. Everyone like everyone has pain. They're, yeah, everyone has pain, at you know, right now. And there's, there's no, it's like right now, there's no point in competing. Yeah, yeah. There's no, what are you going to prove by being the like the like the You're most the, the most the traumatic worst. like the, the, you have the most trauma let me go to the down the road and, and order you a trophy like you honestly have a trauma party a trauma <laughs> oh, only, <laughs> okay, only if you've been diagnosed with PTSD you yeah. can get in show me your show me your diagnosis yeah. then you can get into the party we're gonna grind all night long yeah. cry there's gonna yeah. be a cry session and then we're gonna go back to partying okay <laughs> Yeah, no,
0: it, it's it's a painful, I mean, we a lot of us, most of us have had to live our adult lives trying to get over our childhoods, and I, you know, I'm, I'm definitely still not over mine. I think, you know, it's a lifelong well, grief.
1: yours happened at 20, I feel like your, your trauma, a lot of it, happened recently.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's been happening all my life, it came to a head, I guess, recently, like, maybe, like, you know, four years ago or so, and... It's crazy. It's crazy. But I, I think, you know, um, again, everybody's everybody's gone through some real serious uh, stuff, you know, and a lot of us, again, have been, you know, trying to get over our childhoods and trying to get over the things that we went through and and kind of learn how to navigate this insane world that we live in right now, you know, and probably forever. You um, the
2: world we live in right now? But I will say I will say I would I would not wish to be alive during any other time. I think if there was another time I'd be alive in, it would probably be like the late 60s, early 70s, because that was a really cool time, you know, with like the whole psychedelics and like I would so good to go to Woodstock and shit, but I think now is really such a historical pivotal time, like the whole 2020 pandemic, this election, literally everything that's gone on this year, the whole, oh, the Black Lives Matter movement, everything that's been going on, I mean, this is the second civil rights movement. Yeah, this is gonna be forever, and not to not to It's be like, just oh, like when, when is it, like it gonna but...
1: actually
2: break through? When it? When is yeah. it? I feel like
0: I worry. To be quite honest with you guys, I worry that a lot of this stuff, you know, I, I don't think in history because history kind of tells the truth and it's pretty repetitive, yeah. uh, you know, the things that happen. And I think every nation and every uh, race or creed or whatever it is that has gained some semblance of freedom, it's, ha- it's been associated with a big violence. In order to get your freedom from something, some oppressor, some form of oppression, you know, or, or you know, gain territory or, or acquire something uh, in this in this world, in the history that we know, it's always been with massive bloodshed. People have had to fight other people and kill other people. And one thing I've noticed with Black Lives Matter and, you know, all these civil rights movements is a lot of it has been the ones that have not truly succeeded have been, you know, with this thing of, like, you know, peace at the forefront and trying to be as peaceful as possible about it and trying to not... You know, have to resort but to like a war, but it, it hasn't gone too far. You know, you you've gotten some form of rights, but it's 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 you know buried under all these things that kind of are like red tapes, so where it seems like you're getting something out of it, but you're kind of not. You're mostly not. And it, it really, I fear that it's not going to go anywhere without like a major sort of kind of war. You know, and and that's a scary thought because obviously, for obvious reasons, I mean, people are gonna have to die. You know, people are gonna have to be killed, you know, but that's just. You think there's gonna be like a second civil war? I think so. I think so. I think if there is not, not much is gonna change. You know what I mean? Because these institutions that, you know, they're so in power, they're so high up, you know, the police, These movements, the KKK, you know, all these people that donate to all these other people who are so high up, who are like making the rules in this game. It's so pervasive, you know, and so insidious that like there's no way you can cut through all this red tape just by talking about it. It's one of those things where it's never, ever, ever going to change because those people are not going to want to come down from their power without this big, massive fight. And, you know, they've gone as far as to try to incite that fight, you know, (laughs) so many times, you know. And so it's one of those things where, like, you're not going to get anywhere without bloodshed. And and that's scary. It's scary to even say it. It's scary to think it. But it's the honest truth. I don't know. You know, a lot of these black nations even, you know, in the Caribbean and other places that have gotten their freedom. It's just, you know, from slavery and all these things. It's been from, like, massive war and bloodshed. And you know, and
1: it's and it's uh it's kind of convenient uh to me that the uh, majority of violence that has occurred on this planet has occurred by white people, right? But God forbid it be done to them. Uh, to progress the movement of another race.
2: I think it's gonna take two three
1: hundred years. I think it's gonna take. Lots uh, of- I I fucking hope
2: not because it's like i think okay we say oh we just have to wait until this older generation dies out right but no, no, no there's there's there's, racism, this there's all there's all right in this gener- it may be it may be a smaller population but they are no, for, but they're, they're are far, more radicalized. They're, they're are far more radicalized they're far more radicalized oh yeah oh there's a big silent i think they call it the silent majority mm-hmm. there's a big silent population of people who you know, um, you know, we'll vote for Trump and agree with, and it's like, I don't even know if we should get all so political vote for Trump, but it's like, let's just be honest. If you support Trump, if you're voting for him, you're voting for racism, you're voting for sexism, misogyny, um, xenophobia, you're voting for all of these things. I mean, even just the way that he talks about I don't even like to say the word illegal immigrants. I don't like to label people illegal. I think that's wrong. I think that's a very wrong way to label. I, I don't believe in labels in general. I think that, yeah, there's some instances where you need to say, okay, yeah, this person's black, this person's white, this person's um, Latino, but to label a person illegal is just so deep-rooted in prejudice and discrimination. And just, you automatically look at them as wrong and down on, not even considering what they may have gone through to get into this country. And yeah, we may have a system to get in here, but it's incredibly hard. The whole system to actually become a citizen in this country is very rigorous. And I just don't understand as a country that's for the people to not accept other to not accept other people. You know, like, we are the country of immigrants. Yeah, but that's what's But funny. to not accept, but to that's not, yes, but to not, yes, but to so not accept immigrants that, literally right no, there, it's insane. Literally,
1: literally says, uh, give me your hungry, give me your poor, give me, you know, give me all these people, yes. and yes. we fucking shit all over everybody that comes to this country now mm-hmm. as l- if they're not white. Literally, No,
2: you're
1: right. Mex, everything. Like, the whole because Mexican. Thinking- what okay. happened
2: to the ICE?
1: A uh, Mexican immigration. Oh, I just got
2: a notification on my phone because, you know, I've been, what is her name? Dawn Wooten? I don't know if I'm saying that right. Her name is Dawn. She's a nurse or a worker in, in the ICE um, facilities and how there's been forced hysterectomies on women. Wow. Um... Yeah, wow. a lot of women are coming out and saying that there's this doctor at the ICE detention centers who have been performing hysterectomies. Wow. So um, that yeah. Women don't have children. So that they don't have children, and that's wow. coming out now. It just it makes you not trust anything. Yeah. You really can't trust who's behind the systems of anything.
1: Even.
0: And what's
2: really going on? Even like, adopted. Makes
0: it to you. Yeah. It's. It's yeah, a sick, sad world we live in. Yeah you know yes. <laughs> as as daria would say it's a sick sad yes. world that we live in and um you know it's I
2: love <laughs>
0: I love it's it's terrible you know the things that go on it's like you know again it feels like we're in a movie of some kind a bad one a scary one a horrible one um most of the time and uh it just seems to be getting worse on a daily basis. So it's pretty scary. I kind of envy the de- generations of old that, you know, uh, maybe in the last, uh, I guess, yeah, 10, 20 years ago, where it was just kind of like, okay, you know, you could kind of expect, you know, uh, 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 so whoever you're going to be electing, you know, they have a political background. You know, they, they, you, you weren't seeing so much under the cover. You weren't seeing all the evils of the world all the time. <laughs> And it is, it is, and it's not. I mean, it's very, I think it affects us all, like, in in so many different ways. And I think, like, uh, you know, it's great that we're speaking out about a lot of these issues that are occurring. But at the same time, it gives, I think, you know, more license to the people who, you know, are racist and are violent, dangerous, xenophobic all these times. It gives them a voice as well and they're more in your face than ever. And so that's what makes the world even more of a scary place. I think people are so much more comfortable with being that kind of a person and not even trying to hide it under the cover. And I, again, in some ways it's good because at least you know who you're dealing with. But in another way, you know, when you're profiled, when you are harassed, when you have to deal with the, those repercussions, it's, it's a lot harder you know, for, for these people to be telling you that kind of stuff in your face and to know that there's not much you can do about it. Um, it's, it's really difficult and it takes a toll on our mental health. I, I've spoken about this before. I think this entire year is going to take a toll on so many people's mental health. So many people have lost people this year. Oh, over... 200,000 people just to coronavirus. Just to coronavirus, 200,000 people. And, and I, I've, I personally have a friend you know, that lost his father, that, you know, in one week's time, he got corona, young, you know, pretty wow. healthy guy in his 50s, got corona, went into the hospital. That's the last time his son ever saw him. They never got to say goodbye to him. There was no funeral, it was like in the earlier stage of corona, there's no funeral. You know, so he went into the hospital, last time they saw him, no funeral, no closure. And all these things are happening, all these new stories. Uh, you know, all these people dying, Everybody's in denial, and it's crazy because after this period of time, I think so many people are going to suffer even more from mental health and like all this stuff. Being isolated, feeling like you know there's nothing you could do about anything. Um, I don't even watch the news anymore, to be quite honest. I, I I'm resentful. You yeah, you can't trust it.
2: It's not it. even, news. It's, not it's even news. it's literally a network but there's like, there's so many
0: entertainment channels. Yeah. I'm, I, I almost feel sometimes resentful of people who share it because I'm like, I don't even want to see this stuff anymore. I, you know, it makes me,
2: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, but it's really tough. I mean, I, even today I'm like on Snapchat, I was on Snapchat and I saw, you know, TMZ's thing came up, and it was like, oh, only one of the guys, you know, only one of the police officers was charged in the Breonna Taylor case. And you see all these reactions to it and stuff. And it's just really, it, it breaks your heart all the time. I feel like every day, you know, you're kind of getting your heart broken and stomped on, and you're, you know, you feel like so lost in the world. And for somebody like me, who's already, I think, gone through all this stuff, and I'm still trying to even just get over, like like we were talking about before, my childhood, and all these things that have happened, and then to have all this stuff happening in the world on top of it, I just feel really weighed down by all this stuff.
2: I don't stuff. feel like it's your weight to carry, because also, too, like, I think right now this burden is something that white people need. Like, I don't feel like it's black people's responsibility to solve the issues right now. All the issues with race. But if they don't even try to solve...
1: Like, see, the thing is that there's not enough white
2: people...
1: No, there are. ...willing to solve the issues.
2: But that's the issue. And and I feel like that's...
1: (sighs) You know what I'm saying?
2: I do see what you're saying, but it's not right.
1: Exactly, but it isn't right. There's a lot
2: of things... There's a lot of things that aren't right. I see a lot of white people not speaking up about it. And it's like, I don't feel, I feel like I do my part. This isn't about me. I'm not saying like, look at me, but there definitely need to be more people who need to be more active in this situation. And even if it's like on a micro level, even if it's on a day-to-day level, calling out people. I mean, my last job I had, I called out some of my coworkers who were, and they were old ladies, you know, who were ignorant. But I yeah. called them out. Maybe I wouldn't have called them out two, three years ago. Yes, I would have been younger. But this time I'm more aware of the issues. I just simply was not aware of the issues. And it's like, right. you can't blame people for being ignorant, for not knowing. You can blame people for being ignorant or for knowing the information that's out there and not using it, being blissfully ignorant.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: choosing to be ignorant, choosing to be like I don't want to look at this stuff. I don't blame black people for there turning the black turning away from the videos, all the endless videos of Man, black people getting videos. killed. I yeah. don't blame black people for not looking at them. I don't think people. I don't think they should be shared because I don't think that that should be something that anybody should have to constantly see and I don't feel like you should have to see a video of a black man dying in order for you to care Care. I think you should just (laughs) hear this just care but and the (laughs) point is, is it's so sad because I've even seen people who have watched the videos over and over again and still try to justify oh well maybe yeah but what happened before the video what did he do what happened before that you know it's just like it doesn't matter I don't know where this the lines got blurred, but nobody is supposed to kill anybody. Yeah, everybody's no, trying to. Everybody
0: always, you know, a lot of people spend their time trying to play devil's advocate, and and my question to those people is always like, what's your what's your point of trying to play devil's advocate? What are you advocating against? And also. You know, to be quite honest, I'll say, too, my experiences, you know, working in corporate America, it's really tough to turn away from this stuff. I mean, I don't like to watch any of those videos too much, and I, I don't like to, to immerse myself in it because it's really hard. I, I go to work sometimes, and, like, you know, I will have white co-workers and white higher-ups. And they'll ask me, you know, oh, you know, did you hear about this or did you hear about that or like, oh, you know, they'll make jokes about like, oh, your department lives matter, you know, and like try to make reference and try to ask, yeah, they'll try to ask about it and where do you work? And um, <laughs> right, who's your boss? Yeah, and um, you know, it's really hard because you know I and I've said to my boss before, I was like, you know. Yeah, you know what? Me and you, I don't think you and I should be talking about this situation. And I always say that same thing. I'm like, I don't think you and I should be talking about this situation. I have no interest in talking about this situation with you. Because there's nowhere good that it's going to go. You know? And you you don't want to be having a... It's unprofessional, first of all. You don't want to be having a politically charged conversation. And definitely not with somebody who clearly doesn't agree with you. But those types of people want to ask you... What you think. I mean, those are the first people. They'll come to work and they're just ready to ask uh, their fellow like minority black member whatever, <laughs> whoever they have near what do you think of this? You know? What and just to just to have a conversation. I think it's exciting to like inside a conversation and it's you like know, the so, most you've been talked to yeah, in, like, the whole time you've worked with. No, no, no. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> they they want to get your reaction. They want to be like, Oh yeah, you know, I talked to this person about it and I want to see what they say. And I never participate. I never, ever participate. I have some coworkers that do try to participate. I never do. I never engage with them because I feel like that's what they want, they want from me. They want me to engage in it. They want me to, you know, to get their reaction. They want me to say what I feel or whatever the case may be. And I'm just like, you know what? We don't need to be having this conversation. This is work. You know, and mm-hmm. and there's something they can really say to that. And I'm happy that I can say it because I'm just like, you know, no way am I having this conversation. You're clearly ignorant. The fact that you are even asking me about this in the first place is stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in a professional environment and I, I don't even care about your political ideals, yeah. much less, you know, what you think about this situation um, at all. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just such a burden sometimes. It's like, man, you know, I don't want to hear this shit. I don't want to hear about it it's, anymore. it's not
2: black people's jobs to, yeah. you know, educate white people. Wow.
0: No. Yeah. I mean. I don't want to educate It is anybody. not. It is.
1: Uh, that's the funny thing is that uh, sometimes when I ask questions, um, I forget that it's a burden on uh the black community to always have to educate it's like we don't have to educate
2: (laughs) you know (laughs) but also too we can't completely blame ourselves for being in the position we are we were just born into this and like we are the product of our history yeah i can't hold the weight and the burden of things that white people did 50 years ago but I can hold the responsibility you know what I mean so it's like I don't think that there's anything wrong with asking a question, but no. to but to only rely on that, I right. think is I that's think is different. it's different. Like I think if you have a friend, people. yeah, I think if you have a friend and you're like, hey, this is something that I'm actually really just I don't know on, and I only feel comfortable asking you. Yeah, I think that's one thing. Yeah, I, but to like never care, but to only have those conversations. Yeah, with yeah. and like, oh. also, um, a
1: lot of this to me is just common human. Decency, yeah. And to me, I was born into. I just never was racist. I I just never. I never looked at someone and feared them, or I, because of what they look like. Mm-hmm. I never. I don't know. I just. I, have. <laughs> I mean.
0: You know what? Okay. I- Talk about it. Talk about it. Oh look what. I have. I've feared people because of what they look like. And you know, I'm not going to (laughs)
2: lie. For white people, I don't think it's necessary, but for black people, I think it's like I mean, I'm not going to even go
0: as far as that. I think, you know what, everybody has had their experiences in life. Everybody has been exposed to, you know, like you guys said, you were born into it, you're exposed to all these things that keep telling you over and over these types of people are dangerous. You know, this is what they're about. In certain areas, this is what they do. And, you know, to be afraid and to be cautious after seeing that so many different times, I mean, it's not illogical. But it's, you know, the system that propels those types of messages and, and puts all that stuff into place that, you know, those are the people who I personally blame and I feel like they're wrong. You know what I'm saying? And I've, yeah, I grew up and I, you know, was always scared of what different people, you know, based on what they look like. Uh, I, but I'm also like, again, I'm like a pretty cautious person, anxious person. So like anybody who gets too close to me, I'm probably kind of like, get away from me. I feel like you're going to like do something untoward to me. And I don't like being in the hood Guess what? All you hood people sitting out there, you know, when I drive through like certain parts of Miami and when I drive through certain parts of North New Jersey, when I drive through certain parts of like Boston or whatever, all these different places that I've lived, I don't, you know, necessarily feel safe. I'm like, I know you guys don't have that much money. I know a lot of people have resulted to crime, uh, a life of crime. I don't want to be a victim of that. And, you know, I am scared. I do lock my door. I do make sure, you know, take more precautions. It is what it is. But at the same time, this is the information age. We're not all only seeing, you know, six o'clock news and like going off of that. You have so much more information now. You have so much more access to learn all these different things. And so. You know, it's a responsibility, I think, for everybody to be more aware of what's actually going on and not to constantly stereotype and not to constantly just make people out to be whatever you think they are based on your racist views. Sure.
2: You know? I think you're right. Um, And I think that people also need to realize that racism isn't always so overt. Racism isn't always wearing a t-shirt saying, I hate black people, I hate, you know, whatever. You know, I know, like, remember growing up, we never shopped at Walmart. We just never shopped at Walmart because it was always kind of known, like, Walmart was, like, the less than store. Mm -hmm. It was, like, where the trashy people shopped. It's where the poor people shopped. Mm -hmm. And it was never really tied to race. But then when you look at the people who usually, the majority of people who shop at Walmart, you know, you just kind of put two and two together. And so it's like, yeah, you weren't raised racist, but you are raised with a certain prejudice and when that prejudice is tied to a certain demographic it kind of just builds up you know and it's like I lived in a gated neighborhood that was on the same road like literally across the um traffic light was section eight housing Mm -hmm. and my parents would constantly make comments about how we lived in a bad neighborhood and how you know but it's like we lived in a gated neighborhood <laughs> <laughs> across the street from Section 8 housing. And I was like, what was... And it's like, they always justified it. Oh, well, cops are always there, so it's always bad. Okay, but, like, why are cops there? Because it's... it's cops are sent there, like, more than... Ga- they're just not sent to gated neighborhoods, you know, and it's like... It just, um...
1: No, and it, 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 no, but, like, what I understand what you're trying to say. It's just, like, uh, it's the, the perception the of cops being in an apartment complex often being good. gives off the vibe of uh, being, it being unsafe and the fact that the cops make it unsafe.
2: But we also need to look <laughs> at why... And also, happen? it's not even probably a serious situation. And that's the thing, is we need to look at why does crime happen? Crime usually happens because of what? Poverty. Lack of access to resources. You know, people, people get to a point where they just need to do what they need to do in order to feed their kids, in order to feed their family, in order to pay their bills. Yeah. And it's like, I don't really feel like that should be on the person who commits the crime, but it should be on the system who sets it up that way. Yeah. Why is it so polarized that there could be a gated neighborhood where there's $300,000, $400,000 homes on one side, And then on the other side, there's Section 8 housing, when we're really all humans. We're all people trying to do the same exact thing. I just don't under, and it's 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 just unfortunate. And I really feel like we need to really look at crime and why does it happen. Instead of punishing crime, we need to figure out the root cause of crime you know, and not look at criminals necessarily as bad people. I understand if there are people who do really bad things like murder, rape, I don't excuse that in any way, shape, or form. But like little petty crime, crimes, you know, drug offenses and, you yeah. know, thefts, things like that, it's usually rooted in poverty and fear. You know, when we were talking about hopelessness earlier, I think fear is one of the strongest emotions, it can bring out yeah. so much in you. And I feel like right now, there's so much fear in this country that it could either go one way or it could go the other way. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's really important to, if we're living in this age, to really utilize what we have yeah. and any platform you have, any voice you have, any status you have, and just use it, you know, for good. I mean, I feel like it's, it's easier said than done, but I do think it's possible. But it's, it's hard when all these systems are set up by the people who just won't listen to us.
0: No, absolutely. I, I 100% agree with that. I think, you know what, uh, you know, even school systems are based on your income, how many taxes are paid in your area. That's what, how they decide the funding for your school. So it's pretty much set up. It's pretty much rigged from the start yeah. in a lot of ways. You know, and, and that's why the system is, is very, very flawed. But again, it, it, you know, the struggle is real in these times. And, and a lot of things feel very, very hopeless um, in these times. But I think, you know, it, it really is inspiring to see a lot of people kind of feel okay enough, because things are so radical, because things are so out of, <laughs> you know, out of the norm, People feel more inclined to express themselves because, you know, you have really nothing good to lose. You have nothing to lose. And you have really good people that, you know, are expressing themselves in a way that's helping other people. And I think those, you know, people are going to be on the right side of history at the end of the day. And, um, yeah, I guess, I guess I could say it's exciting to live in these times because you never know what's going to happen next, you know? Every day is like a, really, a fucking game show, you I know?
2: <laughs> like, anything going to happen. If I were ignorant and I really didn't care about any of these issues, I would be terrified to live in this time. But because I care and because I feel like I'm awake, I don't know, I just feel awake in this time. I'm yeah. not, as much as I don't look forward to the inevitable bad things that are going to happen, because they are going to happen. Right. I'm not looking forward to that,
1: Right.
2: but I do feel like I'm very lucky to be living in this time because this is the most awake time that we've ever been
1: in. I feel like uh, we, the potential to, uh, to create change
0: is more... It's like they said, you know what, take your hope and... F- shove it sh- up your asshole Shove it up your Shove it where the
1: sun don't shine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, with all that said, you guys, I'm totally excited to live in this apartment with you guys. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, and you so I, you know what?
1: I can't <laughs> wait. So, it's been me and Delaney uh, for about maybe a month and a half. About a month. I don't
0: maybe, know. maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know.
1: But the moment. <laughs> Uh, local neighborhood baby moves into this bitch. It's You know what? The vibe is going to uh, change, but change for the better. Um, And I can't wait. And I can't wait for the podcast that we might have. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like this is such a new beginning and that there is hope at the end of the day. At
0: the end of the day, yeah. Yeah, no. I you know. know for I sure. Don't. I was joking, but I think we all... We all have a good amount of hope here. You know, we're gonna try to stay alive through these times. Oh, no. group hug. Uh, group hug. <laughs> yes, group
1: hug.
0: <laughs> all right, thank yeah, you guys. Thank, <laughs> thank you, guys for being on the podcast. And um, everybody, yes, have a good it was night. A pleasure. Everybody, have a good night. that concludes our episode of stress depressed and anxious as i told you guys in the very beginning uh this episode covered a variety of different topics and subjects i hope all of you guys enjoyed i really enjoyed recording this episode with my two friends and i hope to have them back on the podcast soon i would love to hear from any and all of you so please do tweet me at sd underscore anxious on twitter that's s is in stressed d is in depressed underscore anxious on twitter uh please send me your messages i would love to hear your thoughts on some of the topics that or all of the topics that we discussed um, on the podcast and that pretty much is it i hope all of you guys are doing really really well and i'm wishing you a month day week year free of stress depression and anxiety as usual i love you guys and i hope you all have a good night